all right, well, we'll go forward. And, uh, you know, we really had made super amount of progress on this particular subject, but uh, the essentialness of it and the importance of it is inestimable. Uh, so we're going to uh, endeavor to go forward again tonight. So let's read Psalms 34 and uh, Hebrews uh, 13 for text. Now, <clears throat> our main goal with studying praise life is to not have more notes about praising God or to memorize scriptures about praising God. It's actually to convert it into applicable action in our lives. <clears throat> and, uh, you, know, I'm, you know, this is our emphasis and the thing that we're supposed to get from it is uh, we're not uh, to just praise God on Sunday morning with the praise and worship uh, team leading us. A lot of people don't even praise God then. <laughs> and so uh, this is not a spectator thing. It's a participation. And, uh, you know, we want to have a strong praise life outside of just gathering in meetings. This is about our love and our relationship with the Lord, not some religious uh, mechanical thing that we do just when we're in a service. And so, uh, you know, I, you know these things, but it's well to remind you of them, and myself of them. David was a man after God's own heart, and uh, he was called a psalmist. And, of course, we have uh, so many of the psalms were... Uh, authored by him, <clears throat> and uh, he was a person that was uh, praising God uh, continually, frequently, regularly, and part of the, uh, uh, you know, his relationship with the Lord uh, was expressed through his gratitude and his worship and his praise. And so, uh, uh, <clears throat> we are to be uh, in the same uh, lifestyle, habitually praising God. Amen? And so you might, uh, in the beginning, deliberately purpose to choose to praise God more regularly, but if you'll deliberately purpose to do it, it will increasingly become almost a involuntary habit. And that's what you want to do Praise God until it gets to be second nature with you. I mean, if I cross the street, I look both ways and don't have to remind myself, okay, now you need to look this way, now you need to turn and look that way. I just automatically look both ways if I'm pulling out in a car or I'm crossing the street as a pedestrian because uh, I've just trained myself so that it becomes second nature. And so praise is to become second nature in our life. Uh, I know recently I was, uh, <clears throat> I, you know, we don't want to do it for other people's benefit, right? 
that's kind of to my heart kind of being a bit hypocritical or something. Saying, well, I'm going to praise God for their benefit. We want to just, it be a natural thing. I mean, we'd want to be praising God so that if we had family members uh, we didn't even know was there, was walking up behind us, they should hear us praising God at times. And, um, you know, my kids... Uh, they're aware that their dad will praise God in their presence. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, I'm like uh, unashamed uh, of praising God. I know I was with one of my relatives uh, before Christmas, and they said something about what the Lord had done for them, and I just I didn't even think about it. I said, well, praise God. And, uh, and then after I was thought, I bet you they think I'm weird. And then I had a second, uh, well, they'll cuss in front of me. So if they'll cuss in front of me, there shouldn't be a problem with me praising God in front of them. I didn't do it for their benefit. It just slipped out, right? And so uh, it just is a habit. People say, well, you know, that praising God's just got to be a habit with you. Well, that habit will eliminate so many other negative habits. Because like we're going to read, it says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. If I'm being a doer of that, it automatically, by me doing the admonition to praise God continually, it, it eliminates uh, worry, I mean, uh, uh, griping and complaining and murmuring. Right? How many knows if I'm praising God continually then it's going to keep me from getting into murmuring, complaining, and griping. Right? And if I'm, if I'm praising God continually, it's hard for you to uh, express things with your mouth without your mind having to get engaged with it. So it puts me in remembrance of God by speaking forth praises to Him. <clears throat> and uh, it affects my very attitude and my perspective on life if I'm praising Him. Because if I'm praising Him for His greatness, goodness, His faithfulness, then I've got that on my mind. And that's a whole lot better than thinking about things that are not true, not honest, not just, not lovely, uh, that's not of a good report, that doesn't have any virtue. Right? And so... Uh, you know, we're talking about, we've talked about, we kind of got ahead and we were talking about some of the reasons that we should praise, why we should praise Him. And uh, number one, we said one reason that we should praise Him is because He said do it. So praise becomes a matter of obedience, whether we understand the benefits of it or not. He said do it. He's wise. He knows best. Right? And, you know, there's admonitions all through the Old and New Covenant about us praising God. And then secondly, uh, another benefit or reason why we should praise is because He is worthy or deserves it. Amen. I mean, He's the one that keeps our heart beating, our mind functioning, that keeps the sun shining, that gives us life, breath, health, Right, see an eye, hear an ear, you know, food, clothing. I mean, free country. 
I mean, you can go on and on and on all the benefits that the Lord has given us. We should constantly be uh, uh, showing worthiness and uh, uh, it's poor taste to be graced and not acknowledge it. You remember over in, I think it's 2 Chronicles 25, that Hezekiah, of course you know the Bible says he was near unto death, and the prophet even came in and said, set your house in order for you're going to die. You all remember the story? And the Bible says Hezekiah turned his face to the wall. In other words, he turned away from everything but God. He had tried to get help other ways. Turned away from friends, turned away from what the doctors could do for him. Uh, everything. He turned his face to the wall. That means he put only his focus on God and trusted in the Lord. And, uh, you know, the prophet didn't even get out of the, the, the courtyard of the palace before the Lord spoke back to him, said, go back and tell him I'm going to add 15 years to his life. And then it says that Hezekiah did not render according to the benefit done unto him. Y'all are aware of that scripture? Um, Dana, can you find that for us? Uh, or anybody? Uh, I'll look for it. I think it's Second uh, Chronicles maybe and uh, chapter 30. Say it with me. He's worthy and deserving of praise, thanksgiving, and honor. Praise God. Uh, I'm taking a little bit of a different... 2 Kings 20, 5 and 6. And it may be twice. It may be in Chronicles and Kings. Uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is the other account of the same thing. Uh, there's an account in Chronicles. I know we're kind of... Uh, that's one account of it. Uh, Are we all right? Y'all doing good? Um, I think I'm about to get close to it. Uh, 32, Second Chronicles 32 and verse 25. Now, earlier in this chapter, 
uh, you know, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, had sent uh, his uh, army against Jerusalem to besiege it, and God delivered Jerusalem. And then it says here uh, in verse 24, In those days Hezekiah was sick to the death and prayed unto the Lord, and he spake unto him and gave him a sign. And that's in that other account in Kings. Uh, <clears throat> verse 25, but, say but. Even though God had done great things for him, it said, but Hezekiah rendered not again and uh, the margin of my Bible says, did not repay. Uh, he did not repay or rendered not again according to the benefit done unto him. Uh, for his heart was lifted up. That was, he was proud. Therefore there was wrath upon him and upon Judah and Jerusalem. Uh, Verse 26, notwithstanding Hezekiah humbled himself from the pride of his heart, both he and the habits of Jerusalem, so the wrath of the Lord came not upon them in the days of Hezekiah. Uh, there's so many lessons here. First of all, God gives grace to the humble and resists the proud. When they humble themselves, it adverted judgment. Right? But it says that he didn't render according to the benefit that was done unto him or he didn't repay. Other translations say he didn't offer uh, praise to God uh, commensurately uh, with what or proportionally to what had been done for him. In other words, he just played it off as a trivial or a small thing and didn't really uh, honor the Lord. Right? Have you know it's no small thing that the Lord saved us from going to hell? How are we saved? Because, oh, it would have been all right anyway. No, it wouldn't have been all right anyway. We would have spent eternity uh, separated from God uh, in outer darkness in the torment of hell where there's no love, no life, no light, only darkness. When you remove God from something, it becomes hell. Heaven is what it is because God's there. Hell is what it is because God's not there. And I mean, if you were to remove all the peace from your life, all the love from your life, all the joy from your life, all the light from your life, all the life from your life, all everything that's good, because every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from, I mean, it would be amazing. You know, we take all these things for granted. But uh, it's no small thing that you and I have been blood washed and redeemed and rescued and moved out of, you know, the prayer in Colossians says, giving thanks unto the Father who hath qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. We have an inheritance. Who, giving thanks, who has delivered us from the authority of darkness and moved us or translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Can you say amen? 
So uh, we looked at Colossians 2, 7. Uh, put Colossians 2, 6 up for us, Miss Dana. <clears throat> I mean, the emphasis changes a little bit. It says, as ye have therefore received... So that, that means it's a gift, right? If you received it, right? You didn't, it did say, as you have therefore purchased or bought, it says you have therefore received, so it's Christ Jesus, the Lord, that's by grace, so walk ye in Him. In other words, uh, grace initially got you into the kingdom, now you have grace to continue in the kingdom and to live in union with Him, led by the Spirit, strengthened, I'm strong in the Lord and the power of His might, with all the benefits of as a branch abiding in the vine. Can you say amen? Day by day, He not only got us in, He gives us manna, give us this day our daily bread to be spiritually renewed and to make progress, right? And that's by grace. As you have therefore received Christ the Lord, so walk ye in Him. Next verse. Rooted. This is where we get our spiritual identity and where we get our uh, stability. Amen. Uh, how many knows that the world doesn't have stability? It is just like waves tossed to the sea. It just is restless and it doesn't have any place to go to. That's why the Bible calls, he's, God is called the rock of ages. In other words, he is the eternal one that has been and is and will be. That's how he identifies himself in the book of Revelation. He who was, who is, and who is to come. He who was dead, but is alive, and is alive forevermore. Uh, who was the same yesterday, today, and forever. Malachi said, Behold, I, the, I, the Lord said, I am the Lord, I change not. Right? And uh, He is the, uh, you know, the eternal one that doesn't change. And so the Bible talks about Jesus gave this wonderful sermon. Uh, we call it the Sermon on the Mount. That thing is a masterful teaching. Uh, I'm reading back through the New Testament again and read, you know, it's in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's where Jesus introduces the Father. But the ending of that whole sermon, he says, Whosoever hears these sayings of mine and doeth them, he shall be like a man that built his house, like a wise man that built his house upon a rock. And the winds came, and the rain beat vehemently against it, and the waters rose, but it didn't fall because it was built on a rock. Right? A lot of times people say, well, Jesus is the rock, and if you're built on Jesus, you never will go down. Well, there's, that's partially true, but Jesus said there in the text, he said it was the person that heard his sins and was a doer of them. So the emphasis is on actually doing what he said. Because there's people that are born again, but still, they don't have that stability 
you know, when uh, they get attacked in their body or they get attacked in their finances and they still go down, still got to be a doer of the word. Amen? And so that stability, uh, if we're rooted in him, then all kinds of things can come into your life. But you stay steady. You know, Paul said in one place when, uh, you know, he was experiencing all kinds of persecution, all kinds of trials and tests, he was going up to uh, Rome to testify of the Lord before the world powers and the leaders, Caesar. And he said, you know, this has happened, that's happened. He said, but none, he said, and you know, even spirits saying through different people that I'm going to suffer when I get there. But he said, none of these things move me. Can you say amen? And you know, the Bible says, uh, you know, in talking about the coming kingdom of God, and our resurrection from the dead in 1 Corinthians 15, it says at the end of it, he said, uh, you know, as we're born the image of the, the Adam of the earthly, we're going to bear the image of the heavenly, the second Adam. He said we were conceived in corruption and weakness and, and mortality, but we're going to receive a new body, a glorified body, and we'll be incorruptible, immortal, and, and in God's strength. And he said, uh, he said, finish, finishing up at the end of that, he said, therefore, brethren, be steadfast, right? Because we're going into this kingdom, right? So he said, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor is not in vain. Anything we do... Uh, now is eternal if we're doing it in love and in faith to God's glory. So he said, keep on living strong for God and be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding. Keep on praying. Keep on attending church. Keep on giving. Keep on serving God strong. Because uh, he said, you know, we're, we're going to have a kingdom soon. And uh, you don't want to stop being... Uh, uh, you know, steady and stable now. You want to get anchored more than ever because that's what's going to get you through to get into that kingdom. And so he said here, rooted. And it's the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ that stabilizes us and roots us and grounds us. Behold, I am the Lord, I change not. You know, when the Lord appeared unto Moses, um, you know, he didn't say, I was that I was, or I'm going to be that I'm going to be. He said, I am. Tell them, I am sent you. Well, I am means present tense forever. Right? Unchangeable. And I like that I am because you say, I am what? Well, you can fill in the blank on the back side of it. I am your Savior. I am your healer. I am your deliverer. I am your provider. I am your strength. I am your enlightener. I'm your whatever you need. <laughs> you know, it makes me want to sing, God is my everything. <laughs> right? Because I am everything that you need all the time for eternity because I change not. And so that brings stability into my life. 
I don't care what goes on in the world, what goes on with other people. I don't care who says what, or I don't care what persecution or all those things. I'm rooted. I'm not easy. Uh, you know, we used to sing when I was growing up, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. How many remember that old song? And part of it goes, Oh, though all hell assails me, Jesus will not fail me. I shall not be moved. Another one goes, On the rock of ages, right? I shall not be moved. Like a tree planted by the rivers of water, I shall not be moved. So you got to get your roots and your personal identity and your self-worth and your security in the right place. And it's not in the opinion of the world, right? Uh, you know, the world has a certain standard, and if you don't, you know, have this or that, then you're not important. I don't give, um, you know, I started to say something I should. <laughs> I don't give... Uh, you know, I'd rather hear, I'll borrow one of Brother Hagin's expressions, I'd rather hear a donkey bray in a tin barn at midnight. It just really is a bunch of clamor and noise because I'm rooted in an eternal uh, evaluation of, of how God esteems me. I mean, again, we've talked about it before. The love of God, the blood of Jesus is living proof of God's love. Because his blood is his life, and if he gave his life, no greater love hath a man than he laid down his life. And so God felt like and evaluated and esteemed me as worth the death of his son and the shedding of his blood. So God values me and loves me that highly. And if he loves me that much, if other people say, we don't think you're much, I'm like, that's your problem, not mine. God says I'm the apple of His eye. And uh, we even read in Psalms, you know, on Sunday morning where He said, you know, the Lord has been mindful of us. He's, been, he's got me and you on His mind. Amen? And so uh, that's why Paul said at the end of Romans 8, uh, talking about rooted, he said... Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Height, nor death, archangels, angels, principalities, demonic powers, they can't separate us. The love is stronger than all that. Height, death, angels, principalities, things present, things to come, right? Uh, famine, hunger, sword. He said, nothing, nothing means nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. And that's why, you know, we've talked some about His love being an exotic love. It's not common to this world. It's an extraterrestrial, alien, outside of this world type love. There's no, none of it in hell and none of it in the origins of man in the earth. It's a love that came down personified in the Lord Jesus Christ that was self-sacrificial unto death, 
that's outside of the realm of the love in this world. And it's a love that he had already deliberately put on us before the worlds ever existed. The Bible says that he knew us before the foundation of the world. Jesus was a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. So before there was human civilization, God already foreknew you and I in his wisdom. And he knows there's no past, present, or future with him. He already knew us. And the Bible says uh, that he chose us and whom he foreknew he predestined or predetermined to be conformed to the image of his son and that he justified us which means he cleansed us from our sins and then the bible even talks about uh, our being glorified in past tense and then he glorified us so you have been chosen before you knew or your parents knew you or anything and God had already set his love upon you and he's already predestined you to be conformed to the image of his son and he's already glorified you, uh, you know, on the outside and past being made righteous. And that's what roots you. <laughs> Now, I'm, I'm, I got myself stirred up and excited about the love of God just talking about it because there's nothing like it in this world. Jeremiah said, Behold, you have loved us with an everlasting love. Other translations say an infinite love. Before time began, during time, and after time, you are loved with an inseparable extraterrestrial, self-sacrificing. And the Bible says that we might know the length and the depth, the breadth and the height. It spans all dimensional things to heaven. It lifted us out of hell. It seated us in the heavenly places. It expands the ages of time before and after them. It's the most amazing thing because it is who God is essentially and intrinsically by nature he doesn't have some quantity of love he is love itself i might have some water in a cup and say i have some water god doesn't have some love uh, you know that'd be like me saying i've got water in a cup but it'd be a whole different thing for me saying i am water Right? <laughs> I, don't I don't have possession of some water. I am water itself. Well, that's the way God is. God doesn't have some possession of love. He is love, and He's the fountainhead and the origin or the source of all love. Amen? And uh, He laid hold upon you and I eternally in that love. And this is worthy of meditation and the devil hates us getting a revelation of this because he is such an envious, hateful uh, person, the devil is. 
And he knows that we're going to spend eternity with God in that love and in the full riches of the inheritance of God's glory. And we're conformed to the very image of his son. And when we humble ourselves and trust in what Christ did by grace through faith, we're exalted to the highest heights and seated in the heavenly places with Christ. And yet he is on his way down further and further and we're on our way up further and further. And what uh, he wanted to exalt himself to gain the very, you know, throne of God, we're seated there in grace. Say, well, how does this tie back to Hezekiah not rendering according to the benefit? If you really see what God has done for you and I, and we really grasp spiritually by Holy Spirit knowledge of our identity as sons of God, John did in John, 1 John 3, he said, he just had one of those aha moments where he was like, Wow, he said, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath loved us with that we should be called children of God. It's like he just got on overload. He's just like, Wow, I can't wrap my mind around this. I was a wretched sinner, and God saved me by his grace and gave me everything in Christ, blessed me with all spiritual blessings in the heaven places, gave me eternal glory in Christ. That is the knowledge that roots you. That causes you to be unmovable. Amen? And the more you get your roots down in Christ and what Christ has done for you and the knowledge of what He is... Here's, here's something that you know kind of blows our mind, but it's good. The more you find out about Christ, the more you find out about yourself because you're in Him. If He's blessed and exalted, you're blessed and exalted. If He's been made righteous after becoming sin, you're made righteous. If He's more than a conqueror and seated in the heaven places, so are you because you're in Him. And the very fact that God put us in Him spiritually by the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit based upon the fulfillment of justice in Christ ought to cause me to get my praise and thanksgiving button pushed so that it never does get unstuck. <laughs> right? Don't be a dullard. If God has done such great things for us, we should have great thanksgiving and praise going up to Him commensurately with what He's done for us. I mean, you, you and I ought to wake up in the middle of the night. The Bible talks about praising God in Psalms on our bed at night. Right? And I know growing up in Northeast Texas as a kid, uh, there were times, you know, one thing that I always liked, the Texas State bird is mockingbirds. 
And you know, they're not very big birds. They're just little gray birds. They're around here too. You see some of them here, but there's a lot more of them further south you go. But they're scrappy. And uh, their territory, they'll defend their, you know, territory with, they'll dive bomb cats and animals and stuff and try to, you know, and other birds that try to get to their nests and stuff like that. And I always liked them, just their nature growing up. But one thing about them is they sing and they can imitate a lot of different bird sounds, like 50 or more. And uh, I remember growing up, of course, in the spring, we wouldn't run the air conditioners if it was cool at night. We'd have the windows open. And those mockingbirds are just right in the middle of the night at like 1 or 2 a.m. in the morning would just sing. And I just like, I always liked that. <clears throat> God would like some mockingbirds that didn't gripe and complain. <laughs> Gripe and complain. How many knows you can do more and get up and get a drink of water and go to the restroom in the night? You can sing on your bed at night. And you'll look a whole lot better in the morning when you go to work. And everybody will enjoy being around you a whole lot better if you get a, <laughs> get a song in the night. Can you say man? And you know, the Bible talks about singing and making melody with what? Grace in your heart and it's a revelation of God's grace that causes us to overflow with joy if you get into just religious works and I've done it where it's a grind oh I've got to keep this and I've got to keep that it's not about us doing it it's about us believing that we're in union with him and we live the Christian life out of His, uh, as you've received Christ Jesus, so walk ye in Him. Uh, there's grace to live victoriously, just like there's grace to be born again. One saving grace. Another is the continuation of sanctifying grace in our life. And I've said this a number of times over the last year or two, and it's really been a revelation to me, and that is there's as much grace to live for the Christian to live victoriously as there is grace for the sinner to get saved. Grace didn't end when we got born again. You can get up. You know, the Bible says God gives more grace to the humble. Well, the humble is a person that is not kind of false humility. It's just getting up and saying, Lord, I can't do this on my own except you help me do it. But I'm strong, but I'm not strong in myself. I'm strong in you and the power of your might. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That strength to serve, that strength to stand. And grace and strength are used interchangeably in God's Word. You know, Paul prayed and said, you know, Lord, I'm going through all these tests and trials. Take it away from me. And God basically said, no, I'm not going to take it away from you. I'm going to give you the grace so you rise above it. Right? And so he said, when Paul said, uh, you know, I prayed that the Lord would uh, take it away from me. Uh, you know, uh, he said, I sought the Lord thrice. And the Lord said unto me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. So he uses strength and grace interchangeably there. Paul told Timothy, he said, be strong 
in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So no matter what kind of weakness comes, God's grace is stronger than any weakness. No matter what kind of tests and trials come, God's uh, grace can cause us to stand through it. Right? No matter what we're called upon to do, His grace to serve uh, enables us so that we have serving grace, standing grace, uh, strengthening grace, right? As well as saving grace. And even as grace extends past that, He said, uh, God is able to make all grace abound toward you so you have all sufficiency in all things. And the whole context is having our financial and material needs met, supplying grace. So they're saving grace, they're sanctifying grace, they're standing grace, they're serving grace, they're supplying grace. God's grace is sufficient. But it doesn't come from us doing mechanical uh, you know, religious efforts of human energy. It comes by us trusting in Christ and the resurrection life. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet it's not I, but it's Christ that lives in me. It's impossible to live the Christian life in fleshly strength of your own doing. It'll wear you out because you don't have the power to walk in that kind of love or produce the fruit of the Spirit, or you can't have boldness, uh, human-generated boldness. Uh, it's the Holy Spirit working in us. And uh, the more we can learn to lean back and trust Him, then He lives stronger through us, and then the Christian life becomes a joy. Right? And grace carries us as opposed to us struggling and trying to make it. It's not try, it's trust. It's not do, it's done. It's not wrestling, it's resting. Can you say amen? And this is what we're, the knowledge of that is what we're rooted in. Say it with me, I'm rooted and grounded in the knowledge of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That gives you some stability in an unstable world. And you're like, I don't care what goes on around. I don't care what's on news. I already got good news. And the good news, I'm more than a conqueror over all of it and I'm not going to be moved. Amen? Go back and let's tie all these loose ends up in two minutes. Second, uh, cautions too, again, Dana, if you will. Praise the Lord. Mark this scripture in your Bible. As we have therefore received Christ, now see, he's writing to Christians, not to unbelievers. Right? He's telling them, he said, just like you received Christ, the Lord, walk, go forward in Him. Live. Right? So just like you got in by grace, you can continue to live in the grace of God. See, that, that takes all the boasting away from human beings. <laughs> and you have to give glory to God, right? You know, the Bible talks about, well, you know, if Abraham had found, you know, 
uh, you know, that he was made righteous through works he hath whereof to glory. Right? But if it's by grace, it's not by works. And if it's by works, it's not by grace. And so it says that the law of faith, which excesses grace, eliminates boasting. Right? It's nothing I did. It's everything that he did. And I'm just trusting in what he did. And praising and acting in faith on it. It's already done. Right? It's not the do's I do. It's the do's that he did. And so I'm praising. (laughs) And you can tell how much grace you're living in by how active and operative your thanksgiving is. If you're living by grace, you'll be thanking a lot. If you're living in works, you'll be thanking God a little. Right? All right. As you have, uh, go back and let's hook it up again. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk ye in Him. This is an in Him scripture. I mean, knows that's different from in yourself. <laughs> in ourself, we can do nothing. In ourself, we know nothing. Right? In ourself, we're on our way to hell. But thank God, we look a whole lot better in Him than we look out of Him. If any man be in Christ, He's a new creation. Hallelujah. Oh, thank God we're new creations tonight. You need to be excited about what God has done for you. You used to be hell-bound, <laughs> ugly, uh, spiritually a child of wrath, child of disobedience, under the control of satanic power. Paul said we were hateful and hating one another. <laughs> we were just messed up, uh, alienated from God, didn't have a covenant, didn't have any hope. But now, right? You who were dead in trespasses and sins are made alive. In Christ Jesus. You're saved by grace. And he said, you've been raised up and seated in the heavenly places in him that in the ages to come, he's going to show the exceeding kindness of his grace toward us through Christ Jesus. What's he going to do age upon age? Just going to keep on unveiling grace to us. (laughs) And we're just going to say, oh God, you're so good. You're so wonderful. Your love was everlasting upon me and it pulled me out of all and it just, we want to praise you forever. Rooted, right? Are you rooted? At the same time you're rooted, you're built up. That means you get stronger and more stable and, and you're edified in the knowledge of God. Built up in Him. There's in Him again. That's the whole key to everything. (laughs) All the promises of God have their yes and their amen in Him. Can you say amen? Outside of Him, we don't have absolutely nothing, but in Him and through Him, we're blessed with every blessing. And you're the one He picked. Eternity past, He said... I see Pam, and I see Jen, and I see Ron down there. 
Though I pick those to be a part of my eternal kingdom, I'm going to conform them to the image of Christ. I'm going to wash them in my blood. I'm going to bless them with all spiritual blessings in heaven. I'm going to build a mansion for them. I'm going to give them sonship. I'm going to conform them to the image of Christ. They're, and I'm not choosing them because they're mighty or they're, you know. The Bible says that he didn't choose the noble and the, and the smart and the outstanding ones of this world. It says he chose the lowborn and insignificant things that he might bring to nothing things that are. And he said the whole reason he did it that way was that the glory would go to him. And he said, of God are you in Christ Jesus. You're his workmanship. And he's made Christ unto you wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. It's all about Jesus. <laughs> Amen? Say it with me. It's all about Jesus. He picked me. He loves me. And he has me in his hand. And nobody can pluck me out of his hands. That's that nothing can separate me love. You, you can't get excited about that. Your wood's wet. <laughs> you need to go get some gasoline <laughs> and put on your fire. <laughs> That you're, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to wake up in the night and have a song of the night about I'm not going to hell and my name is written in a citizen of heaven and my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I may get up and take a lap somewhere tonight. I'm rooted. I'm built up in Him. I'm established. How? In the faith. We believe this stuff. Not, you know, I'm not uh, talking this stuff, uh, you know, dishonorably. We believe these truths, facts, in the Word of God. And that's how we're established. As you've been taught, and I believe that the Lord's enabled us to teach the same thing here that Paul taught. Amen? But this is the point we're trying to get to. Uh, in, you got to get that part, though, to get this part. Part B don't work unless you understand part A. And what do we do? We abound or are abounding therein, that is, in Christ, with all these things that he's done for us, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Other translations translate abounding as overflowing. Now we're back to Hezekiah in closing. Hezekiah got healed when he was almost dead. Well, what's worse, dying physically or dying spiritually? You better believe your bottom dollar that if you died prematurely at 16 years old, but you went to heaven instead of hell, uh, dying physically has nothing in comparison with dying spiritually. And if Hezekiah didn't render according to the benefit done to him in that he was saved from physical death, how much more should we render commensurately or in proportion to what we have been saved from? Paul called it so great a death. 
How many believes that Lazarus ought to praise God when he got called out of that tomb? Well, spiritually, every one of us has gotten called out of an eternal tomb. Uh, you, know, you know, being unsaved is being on death row without repeat going to an eternal execution. But the blood of Jesus has canceled out the penalty that was against us that gave us the death sentence, and he died in our place for us. So now the jail cell got open, the door got swung open, and he said, you're free, you're redeemed. I paid the price, so you're no longer, uh, you know, a sinner. You're a new creation <laughs> in Christ Jesus. And you can go free because whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And that ought to cause us to sing like a mockingbird in the middle of the night. <laughs> Are you still here? So, no griping, no murmuring, no complaining. And I tell you, the Bible says that praise is comely. You look more beautiful. Other translation says praise is beautiful on God's people. It will actually uh, cause your, you know, <laughs> I need to close. But you know, you can take a super attractive person that's the, that way physically but if they're filled with selfishness and hatred, they're a waste of good looks. It just causes their whole countenance to scowl and to be, you know, be ugly. But you can take someone that, you know, wouldn't be considered, uh, you know, a beauty queen or a beauty king, and, and you get them full of the joy of the Holy Ghost. I'll tell you, they look good. <laughs> <laughs> It'll do something for you that makeup can't do for you or or Botox or whatever. I don't know. I'm out of my field here. <laughs> but all this stuff that people do, uh, it, you, you can't do, you can't get through natural means what the Spirit of God can do on the inside of you. <clears throat> and uh, we need some happy, filled with joy, thanksgiving and praise people that practice thanksgiving and praise as a lifestyle aware of the grace that's been given them and, and doesn't act like uh, dullards, uh, you know, because you're so, so great things have been done for you. To never open your mouth and praise God is, uh, is uh, remiss. And Hezekiah there for a little bit, and I've done it too, where I didn't praise God, proportionally to what he's done for me. But I am of the tribe of Judah. <laughs> Judah means praise. And that's who the Lord said send out first. When they'd go to battle, he said send Judah first. <laughs> and what tribe does the king of kings and the Lord of lords come from? It's from the tribe of Judah. Right? And uh, we are of the tribe of Judah. We are to do what? Abound. Take inventory. Are you abounding in thanksgiving? Are you overflowing in thanksgiving? Am I overflowing in thanksgiving? I do at times, but uh, praise God. <laughs> I'm finished. Let's stand up and praise the Lord. 
I went longer than I wanted to tonight, but anyway, I did myself a lot of good, and hopefully you too. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, thank you for saving our soul. Thank you, Lord God, for lifting us out of a filthy, dirty, deep dungeon of sin and darkness. Thank you, Lord God, for rescuing us, calling us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Thank you that we're to express and show forth, glorify you and honor you through our praises and through thanksgiving. Lord, we thank you that we're in Christ, that we're new creations. Hallelujah. Now, I can't praise you. If God has done things personally for you, then you're supposed to personally praise Him. <laughs> thank you, Lord, for healing us, saving us, protecting us, strengthening us, getting us through all kinds of trials and tests, forgiving us when we were dumb. <laughs> <laughs> and a dumb, dumb thing. You are so merciful and so good. And we are so blessed to be a part of your plan and a part of your preordained choosing and love. Blessed be to the praise of the glory of your grace. Throughout the ages, O oh Lord God, we glorify you and magnify you. Hallelujah. After Paul had talked about the grace of God in Ephesians and us being adopted as sons and being holy and blameless before God in His love and being blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places, he said, uh, to the praise of the glory of His grace. Amen? And uh, when you get a revelation of grace, you're going to find it followed by a whole lot of abounding, overflowing praise. Amen. And when you do that, grace increases in your life. Ingratitude caps grace. Gratitude takes the cap off of grace. Thanksgiving opens the door to more grace. And grace gets you through anything. Over anything. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Well, Lord, we do thank you for your graciousness and goodness and mercy and love and wisdom that you've abounded to us in wisdom and prudence in Christ. We thank you that we're made complete in him. We thank you that the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And we thank you that we're in him and of his uh, goodness, fullness, have we all received in grace for more grace. Thank you, Lord, that our heart is set uh, aflame with uh, uh, praise and thanksgiving for what you've done for us. And we'll not, Father God, be uh, uh, lacking in responding to that grace, but we'll be praising you all day long. Blessed be your name forever. In the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to take a lap here just for fun. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to express your freedom 
and your love through the joy of the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, you're dismissed.